didn't mean to be rude or anything. Like all I was really saying is it just it smells like frozen chicken in here, and I just don't understand what you would possibly do, be doing in here that would make it smell like frozen chicken. And also, uh, all these glo- like the nitrile gloves laying everywhere. Oh, hey everybody! Listen, welcome to Creative Writing. How you doing? Well, uh, Tobor and I were just talking a little bit. You know what, Tobes? Also, we didn't get many people to our uh, bike show last weekend. I was sure it would be a hit. It's been a little cool here. It's actually freezing right now. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we had warm treats. We had a bikini bike wash and everything. And, uh, I mean, we promoted it. I just thought it would go over way better than it actually did. I was really surprised at the turnout. I have a terrible secret. What What is it? I didn't release the last show. What? What the fudge? You didn't release the last show? We were running low on funds and I couldn't process the upload fee to the RSS deployment center. Tobor, you make it sound like you had to drive the recording to a physical location in an 18-wheeler or something. Like the cost of skyrocketing diesel is holding up a delivery. It's a digital file. You you just had to upload it. Please don't pretend like you understand computational <laughs> limitations and corresponding financial non-bank intermediation coupled with pressure from stagflation and bandwidth Listen, I understand that requirements, both fiduciary and otherwise, depend on a robust global framework and monitoring by supervisors in their respective jurisdictions. But I do not, sir, try to denigrate my sensibilities and knowledge of the matter of uploading a goddamn show that further promotes the lifestyle on which each and every one of our stakeholders depend. Do you understand me? You, good sir. If I should dare to call you that, you pedestrian life form oh, cannot handle the you. truth. You know what? I, God, Tobor, I understand now. I, I, I think I understand. You couldn't possibly. Yeah, I, I think I do. I'm gonna pull up the search history. On the laptop right now. Overwriting browser history. <laughs> oh no, you don't. I'm hacking the mainframe. Override. Override. Strengthening force field. <clears throat> Setting phaser to stun. Jamming radar. Manual override of maximum overdrive. Moto One Podcast Network. <laughs> Listening to Creative Writing, the motorcycle podcast so bad we received an ASBO in Wales. We've been voted best motorcycle podcast five times by David Caruso impersonators across the globe. Check us out on patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out how you can support the show. All right, with no further ado, let's get into this week's topics, this week's shows, this week's arresting conversations. I knew it, Tobor. That's all you had to say. I'm very sorry. You didn't up- upload the show because you were watching robot porn. Bro. My remorse sensor has been activated. As well as my yeah. shame center. Yeah, mine would be too. Tobor, it was one of the most important shows of the year. It, it explains why nobody showed up. 
no show bikes, no ride to do uh, lunch. No one was at the bikini bike wash. Now I'm out 300 bucks on that stripper dude. We didn't even get to talk about the Misfits 500 of the show. Oh, well. You know what I think of that, Tobor? Stinky. <laughs> yeah, it's stinky. Fred the butthole has spoken. <laughs> well, Tobor, yeah, I got to admit, that exploded. Almost blew my <laughs> almost blew my eardrums out. Listen, everyone, sorry about that. I didn't think Tobor and I would get into it on the air again. But, uh, yeah, hey, welcome to episode 200. Eighty-six, not the Misfits five hundredth. Um, the uh, if you're listening to this, you probably just came off the high of the Recycle Garages podcast, motorcycles and misfits, and now you can settle in for the saddest hour or so of your life. Sit back and relax. Get used to it. Pull up a beer, or more likely, pull up a tall glass of Drano. And settle into your fate. I did text Liza from a ditch in Central California to wish her a happy 500. She didn't believe me that I got uh, swept away in a landslide on the way up there. So you know how how the ocean's always fallen into the sea around here. Listen, everybody, welcome to Creative Writing. Thank you, uh, as you heard there, thank you to our Patreons for their support, their ever-loving support on Patreon. We love each and every one of you. You are pretty much the executive producers of the show. Uh, The views and opinions of the participants of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast are those of the participants. They do not reflect the policy position or opinions of Creative Writing, the Moto One Podcast Network, any of our affiliates, and any opinions of the respective participants, and is not intended to malign anyone. Anyone or anything, even CF Moto riders. I love CF Moto. Maybe, maybe I don't. I don't know. Hey, everybody, it's me, Junkie, on the on the brand new microphone. <laughs> Who am I kidding? It's not new. Hey, everybody, we have a show for you. Uh, and like I said, congrats to Lisa on her five hundredth. And uh, all the misfits. I really, I thought I, I was expecting a little more. Not to, not to be rude or crass. I mean, you know, for my like hundredth and two hundred and three hundredth, what did I do? Nothing really. So, uh, but yeah, it was cool. And I do like the idea of her finally doing a live show somewhere. It's great. Uh, before we get into the show, a little bit of housekeeping. Thank you, everyone, for the emails. Hope everybody had a great holiday. This is like the intra-holiday show here where we just had uh, Thanksgiving was, what, last weekend? Was it? I can't even remember now. I think it was last weekend. Uh, and the weekend before that, we didn't put out a show. We'd been putting out shows here and there. And it seems like if it seems like we skipped two weeks is because I did a show with Nokomoto that was the commentary to Electric Glide and Blue. If you haven't heard it, go check it out. Noko dudes, why didn't you use my audio that I emailed you? We did a double ender. Hey, wink, wink. And I'm not talking about Requiem for a Dream, if you know what I mean. Uh, I'm talking about double end audio. Maybe you did. Maybe mine sounded just as crappy. So anyways, uh, that was a fun, fun movie. And yeah, we should... Um, I'm going to go back into the creative writing archives and look at some of the movies that I watched by myself. And uh, it would have been much better better with company because misery loves company. I watched some miserable pieces of junk. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, And if you want to go hear uh, a great – over the weekend, if you got time, over this holiday season, if you got some time off work or just laying around not doing anything, you know how people are super lazy 
around the end of the year holidays. You know, nobody celebrates Hanukkah, Diwali, uh, Christmas, Kwanzaa, uh, Saturnalia, Festivus, none of that stuff, right? Nobody celebrates that. They're just all sitting around bored out of their gourd. Now, I'm sure you're doing plenty of things, but if you do get some time, uh, go watch uh, Electric, Electric Glide and Blue with that commentary uh, playing over the top of it. Also, uh, Patreon gift exchange. Uh, I haven't seen, let me see, I, I posted up there, but I've only seen one response. Um, Tobor, could you pull up the mail while I'm trying to do this so it doesn't, uh, so I don't multitask here. Uh, so while Tobor pulls up the mail, uh, I've only got one response that I can think of that, uh, you know, correlating to that. So if any, no, no, Tobor, yeah, Tobor says no more. At least not in our mail, maybe on the Patreon app. We'll go check that uh, in a minute after the show. But Patreon gift exchange, if anybody's interested, please. Uh, we or The time is short now. By the time this comes out, you know, who knows? Uh, it'll, it'll be one day till Christmas. So we better uh, better hurry this up. But um, yeah, if anybody's interested in doing a Patreon gift exchange, let me know. We'll ship out some names and some addresses and you get to play Secret Santa. Uh, also, thanks for Johnny Roundtree for sharing some pics and the info about being a real-life bike courier. If you listen a couple years ago, like 2019, uh, Jay, she was a co-host on the show, and she was putting in like 20,000 miles a month, uh, driving 3D printers and all sorts of tools all over to kids all over L.A. County, uh, teaching them how to do maker uh, sort of stuff, like after school Um what, what do you call that? Well, it was just like, uh, you know, crafts and hobbies and things like that, teaching them how to 3D print, teaching them how to draft, teaching them how to use a micro lathe. I don't know what the hell she was doing, but she was driving heavy equipment all around on her motorcycle. And uh, come to find out, Johnny says that he's got a job as a uh, motorcycle courier. He's got a bag on the back of his bike that could fit a small child or three dogs. And uh, yeah, who knows what he delivers. But uh, looks awesome. So he's a real trooper for delivering items via motorcycles. Awesome stuff. Thanks for the pick, and thank you for the insights. Let's get into some <clears throat> upcoming events. Upcoming events, December 9th and 10th. That's uh, this weekend. There's going to be a handstands at 100 miles an hour dual sport ride in Ocotillo. If you want to check it out, it's uh, I think it was like 250 bucks. Um, it's Harden. Uh, dash offroad.com h-a-r-d-e-n dash offroad.com and yeah it looks like it's a pretty cool dual sport ride they get to go around all sorts of things it's a two-day two ride lots of uh, action and it's curated ride curated skills and I think curated food so that sounds like a lot of fun uh, at the end of the month December 31st through January 15th, it's the 45th Dakar Rally. It's back in Saudi Arabia. Um, that's going to be pretty epic. I, I don't know where you can catch uh, viewing right now, but uh, keep your eyes peeled and keep your ears peeled for anything. You can always follow it on the gram. You can always follow them on YouTube. Excellent stuff. It's just, it's amazing. Last year was a pretty amazing race. And I'm just excited to see how uh, this year pans out. Last year, all sorts of people that I thought were top contenders, boom, out. The underdogs, right to the top. So it's really, really crazy. And in, if anybody knows Danilo Petrucci, who's now racing here in um, Moto America, he ended his MotoGP career, uh, went right to the Dakar number 44, and then came over here to race 
uh, you know, three series in a matter of months. Also, December 31st, if you're here in the Southern California area, it will be the New Year's Ride put on by the Southern California Norton Owners Club, the SCNAC. I always forget how to pronounce that, but the Southern California Norton Owners Club, S-C-N-O-C. And uh, they ride up the hill, up the hill usually. Uh, last year, there was like a couple different rides. I don't think there was actually a ride last year. I think there was just a couple different people that did their own rides out through uh, Sand Canyon and the backside through Big Tahunga instead of up up the crest. If you don't know, Newcomb's Ranch, which was, uh, or Newcomb's, how it was spelled, <clears throat> Newcomb's Ranch was a little restaurant up there halfway between LA and the I don't know, the Antelope Valley or Wrightwood on the on the east side of the San Gabriel Mountains. It was a little tucked away spot that just used to attract, you know, Jay Leno was up there a couple times when we were up there on our bikes. Just every weekend there'd be hundreds of bikes up there. Great place to grab a spot of grub. The only place on the hill. Well, the, that problem being with that is that uh, being the only place on the hill it pretty much was subject to fire constantly. So uh, there was one other place up there. I think it used to be an uh, Indian school back in the 60s, is Chilau. And now it's like the Chilau Wellness Center or something like that. And that was the only, like one of the only other establishments up there. The thing is, they don't have a kitchen, but they did substitute the very first year that, that Newcomb's was closed. They substituted there and had like a little potluck up there, and it was fun to ride up there. It's not the same atmosphere as a full-blown, you know, little bar and restaurant uh, that catered almost specifically to motorcycles. It was, it was awesome. So uh, I don't know where the ride's going to be, but I can guarantee that they're going to be meeting up at um, at the uh, December 31st down at Lucky Baldwin's Trappist. Sorry there, I had to take a little <clears throat> a little nose intervention. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, now, now I'm talking about booger sugar. I'm just talking about getting a little junk out the snunk. <clears throat> Excuse me. So moving on from that, December th- 31st, we already covered that. Uh, January 7th, Supercross. And we're going to talk about a little bit of Supercross here in, at the, uh, toward the end of the show. But Supercross is happening, happening round one in Anaheim. Uh, round two is happening in Oakland. Round three down in San Diego at the new Snapdragon uh, Snapdragon Arena, I think. I, I'm not sure if that's where the uh, San Diego Aztecs are playing or what used to be Jack Murphy or Qualcomm Stadium or any of that. I know that they tore all that down, so I don't know if that's a new uh, venue right there, but wherever Snapdragon is, that's where it's going to be. Then they're coming back up round four here in Anaheim. And I believe we talked about it in the Electric Glide and Blue commentary uh, we talked about Anaheim, and Anaheim's technically, I think, in Orange County. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's it's Orange County. And so uh, there is like a – it's not like the L.A. River, but there is like a river, uh, like a concrete river that runs through there, and it looks just like, just like the L.A. River does, how it's basically a, a huge paved canal. And there's a lot of – there was a lot of homeless encampments down there. So if you guys want to watch some free Supercross, we can sit in – they call they call don't call them the hot pits. <laughs> they call them the snot pits, the shit pits. We'll sit in the shit pits and uh, get pitted, bro. We'll watch some epic uh, supercross adventures. Um, 
February 17th, Flat Out Friday is happening at Fiserv Forum. They're in lovely Milwaukee, and that coincides with the Mama Tried Motorcycle Show. So go to either Flat Out Friday or mamatried.internet.com wherever and uh, get all all the good information what a fun mid winter celebration of motorcycles mayhem and mill milwaukee the land of the good people or whatever that means um i'm not sure if they race on the lake beds anymore but that was one of my most favorite things about flat out friday so they used to uh i think they probably do boonie bikes around the fiser forum now but they used to be out there on the frozen lakes Global warming, they, they're they all like on jet skis now. Or, uh, you know, I don't know what people in Wisconsin race around. They probably race around, uh, what's something? They race cheese on the lake? Tobor, Tobor held up a sign. That was a good attempt, Tobor. I'm, I'm going to cut that out, though. Um, and then at the end of February, uh, Australian Superbike starts at Phillip Island. I'm not 100% sure when it starts. It uh, started this year at the end of February. So I think it's uh, going to be at the end of February again. Uh, down there in Phillip Island, and I believe it is their uh, summer right now. It's our winter here. It is a paltry 56 inside here, and uh, Junkie be freezing his buns off. And uh, I can't help but think if I was from Wisconsin planning on going to uh, Mama try it out, I would totally be just like in shorts and half naked in here drinking a nice, refreshing, cool beer, but I'm freezing. It's 56 in here. Jeez. Uh, let's get into some news. I'm going to do a stinger, Tobor. Oh, guys, Tobor, he is still mortified from the discovery we made earlier. I'm sorry we fought on the air. We don't normally do that. Tobor, buddy, I'll insert the music. You just sit there and languish. He's nuts. <laughs> what? What did you say? Damn butts. <laughs> go, go back. Tell her go back. Go back to sleep. Your mom. <laughs> Just get out of here, bro. I thought you were all sad. You're fine. Uh, all right, everybody. We got some news for you on this week's show. Let's get right into it. And I uh, just want to say... Cleveland Moto's favorite dirt tire gets recalled. If you ever listen to Cleveland Moto, you know there's one tire they'll put on anything. They put that shit on everything. It's called, well, I'll get to it in a second, Continental. They filed a report with the NHTSA, which here in the United, the good old US of A, has the NSTSA. And if you want to know what the 411 is on the NSTSA, let me tell you, it's the National Highway and Traffic Safety Administration, baby. Uh, back in February, all the way back almost a damn year ago, uh, Continental filed a report with NHTSA, otherwise known as NHTSA, even though there's no I in there. Um, there's no I in any of those words. Uh, so I don't know why they call it NHTSA. Uh, so anyway, back in February, they rec- uh, filed a report regarding the formation of cracks in the Contascoot tires. And then in the summertime, by the, by that time, it was determined by KTM and Husqvarna that all the TKC-80s on 60,000-plus units were affected. Uh, so they had to recall 60,000 uh, KTM and Huskies to get the TKC-80s off. 
I'm assuming if you're like Cleveland Moto and you put TKC80s on everything, uh, you got some affected tires. So if you're running TKC80s, do yourself a favor, change over to the Metas or Metzlers, get off them stupid Continentals, and check your TKC80s. Also, I looked at the recall and I saw Contiscoot all over the place. And I was looking up the tire sizes and they were small, like 15, 14. 10 shit like that. So if I, I don't know if scooter tires were also included and just the news I happened to read was about KTM and I'll, I'll tell you KTM sends me more things than I care to get from, from any other manufacturer, but that's how I learned of it was from KTM. So perhaps it affects a lot of continentals. So if you're rocking continentals on your scooter, if you're rocking TKC eighties on your uh, bike, check it out. Check, uh, check with your local TKC80 dealer telling me you want a refund. Most dealers don't give you a refund. Trust me, I tried it one time. Crack cocaine. They did not give me a refund, even though it was uh, bad. So hopefully tire dealers are a lot nicer. Uh, in other news, uh, we're talking. We're going to talk a little bit about Eichmann now, since I said I was going to 17 weeks ago when it happened, and we haven't. The Bimota Tessie H2. You guys know what the Bimota Tessie H2 is? I think you I think you would. Uh, we we t- said a couple of years ago that Kawasaki, they didn't buy Bimota, but they bought a majority stake. And that's how you get your motor in a Bimota. Uh, so the Tessie H2 is basically the Tessie. And if you don't know what that is, it's like this crazy hub steering front end that they have. It's like a front swing arm, basically. And then they, they just put the H2 on it. It takes second seat to the Bimota supercharged Terra dirt machine, a first for Bimota. That, oh, wait, 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 wait. It didn't make it this year. <laughs> what do we get instead? A reskinned Kawasaki KX450 and the bodywork from some KX Euro model, apparently. I tried to look it up, but I didn't see the headlight. doesn't match anything we got in the States. So it must be a Euro model. Uh, and what, But we're going to come back to the Terra. Meanwhile, uh, if Bimota Racing... So, so basically what we didn't get was this crazy supercharged touring, sport touring bike. Uh, what we did get was a, a red, white, and green Kawasaki, basically. Um, uh, more more red and white than green when you think of Kawasaki. So if Bimota Racing has taught us anything, it's that they can be very competitive, albeit in very small numbers. You know, I looked up the Bimota uh, history, and, you know, they've won F1 championship here and there and there before they called it, you know, MotoGP, and then that all went away. So they haven't really won anything in a long time, but they were competitive when they were in the class, you know, uh, is it likely we're going to, excuse me, see Bimota tearing it up across the globe on motocross tracks? In my opinion, no, not very likely. Having a dirt bike is still a first for Bimota though. That's, that's, is cool, I guess, but it's not like the previous Bimotas where the motor is borrowed and everything else is totally bespoke. Uh, I'm not sure of the homologation requirements for motocross and supercross, but this could be a good way for Bimota to advertise their stuff to a bunch of bet- rednecks and dirt pandas around the world, though. I mean, if that's what you're trying to do. Or if you're actually going to get into making dirt bikes, because we, as we all know, dirt bikes, or maybe you don't know, but I know, dirt bikes are a huge, huge market because whether or not you have a street bike, you may also have a dirt bike. And dirt bikes don't get... Uh, counted quite the same way when we think of our, you know, street legal models and registrations and all that stuff. Dirt bikes kind of, uh, 
you know, you might not even have a street motorcycle, but you may have a dirt bike. So I don't know. Maybe it is Maybe it is cool that Bimoto is doing that. Uh, and again, I'm not sure the homologation requirements for racing, but I don't even know if they'd be eligible if there are to get in there and go racing. So uh, dirt pandas. I thought that was pretty funny because you kind of have like, when you take off your goggles, you do look like a little, little dirt raccoon. Uh, it could lead to a new market though if they don't price their Kawasaki like a Bimota. So it's basically a Kawasaki, guys. Don't be pricing it like some Bimota. Who knows? It could be Bimota's Grom or their Scrambler and be the loss leader like the Grom and the Scrambler were for Honda and Ducati. Maybe if they if they can get this super cheap Kawasaki and it just says Bimota on it, a bunch of Italian dudes will throw their SWMs and gas gases in the trash and their Huskies and buy a Bimota. You know what I'm saying? So there is potential there for them to make some money, actually, instead of having these weird-ass bespoke bikes that like how many bimotas have you ever even seen in the wild tell me like not a lot if they make these dirt bikes the price of kawasaki's maybe you'll actually go to a motocross track and see your first bimota who knows but it's it is a way to, to rake in the dough boy uh and other bimota news the kb4rc uh let's talk about this while the kb4 doesn't really look that bad the uh, kb4rc looks uh, painful uh at first glance its angles all the bike angles are super deceptive they create this line that looks impossible to ride uh the front end is also just as shocking as the buell 1125 cr was when it first debuted and it just looks like the huge gaping maw of like a blue whale coming at you only it's painted red or black uh it's revealed that it's only an illusion well after you look at it, it's it's only an illusion of design is what I figured out. So the bike it, is pretty standard from the bird's eye view. From up top, it's skinny in the middle and, and just fine. From the side, just the angles and the way they blend in so well is just so weird. It's super ugly, but it's got like, you know, crazy – looks like it would break your, like break your legs to ride it. I don't know. But uh, it – let me see. The bike is pretty standard for the Bird's Eye View. It's still ugly, though. My notes say that, and yes, it is. Uh, and even the custom racer fanboys at BikeXF gave it a thumbs down. So you know it has to be pretty, you know, pretty sucky. Uh, the Terra, on the other hand, because uh, what when I'm looking at this KB4RC, go look at it. It looks like it'd break your femurs to like have to wrap your greasy, skinny little chubby legs around this thing. This doesn't look physically possible until you see it from above looking straight down. Then you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Uh, doesn't excite me one bit. Looks like trash. And only marginally better is the KB4 with the full fairings. That one doesn't look quite as trash, but they both kind of look like metal bananas. So I don't like it. Uh, the Terra. Let's talk about the Terra, which they teased, I think, in 2019 or 18 even, maybe. I think they even teased it in 21. Uh yeah, that thing could be pretty sick. Uh, the Terra, where where's my notes on the Terra? Oh, that's not my notes. That's uh, that says make sound of Harley Davidson when you're looking for your notes. So the Terra, here we go. The Terra, on the other hand, could actually be cool because some of the detailed chassis components that they did show at ICMA this year could actually be pretty game changing for the industry. Um, especially for Kawasaki. So the front end is sort of Tessie-like because it does have a swing arm with a pull shock on it that replaces the forks. And if you've ever seen the Tessie 3D, that thing's just totally mind-blowing. Um, but the Tessies all have a fork on the front with a pull shock. 
uh, similar to how the Harley Davidson soft tails used to have. It's not a shock that you compress. It's a shock that you like pull like the springs inside. You pull it. Uh, totally replaces the forks, probably reduces all sorts of weird front end stuff, right? But the biggest component that is very non-Tessie-like is the steering components. Because on the Tessies, at least the other old Tessies, with the um, hub center steering, you have uh, this arm that has to come out and steer uh, the front wheel via a, a, a single rod. It's, it looks a lot like the one side of a Formula One car. Like there's all these rods and stays and all that stuff out there uh, actuating it. You know, And if you've ever seen like a steering arm like on your car, You'll know what I'm talking about. There's like a tie rod that goes out and moves the knuckle. And that's exactly kind of how this thing works. But it's like it just moves this weird mechanism on the front end. It's really confusing to look at, but it works. So what the hell? Um, the Terra, on the other hand, more has like a Hossack style front end. It still has that front fork but uh, or the front swing arm sort of thing. But you look at it and it's almost like, what did I write here? It, it looks a lot more like the Goldwing and the BMW Duo Lever front ends made sweet, sweet sex and then had their love child twisted by Bimota engineers in their secret Italian laboratory. The front end could actually be pretty cool, especially if it makes its way backward to Kawasaki and is has like a kind of potentially boutique tour, you know, that maybe based on the Ninja H2 SX SE Plus or the, or the ZX uh, 14R, one of the, you know, or one of their new hydrogen powered tours that, you know, they teased uh, that they might be coming out with or the electric bike or whatever it is. I don't know if it's going to save any weight, but this front end sure looks pretty trick and it might free up some space uh, behind where all the old steering used to go for battery space. I don't know, or hydrogen tank or whatever the hell. But that's the one piece that looks, it looks Tessie, but it definitely when they showed how it works, it's got like a, what do they call it on a, um, the BMW is called like a shear joint on the dual level, the duo lever. And the, and the BMW is basically has two a arms up front. And that's kind of how this shear joint thing looks like it works, but it goes down more like a K 1300 front fork. If you ever saw those. So long story short, it, it's uh, pretty crazy. I mean, it, it could actually work on a Kawasaki too. Go check it out. That is the uh, Terra T E R A. And it's a bike that hasn't come out yet. And I don't know if it ever is. It might still be Bimota vaporware, but there's, sure putting out like a lot of real existing components that look would look pretty bitching on a kawasaki um speaking of kawasaki suzuki suzuki keeps coming up with surprises don't they uh <laughs> this this eikma as we say like this christmas or this uh this uh festivus um this eikma there was a lot of surprise uh, when Suzuki debuted their parallel twin. We'll talk about the new motors in a minute, but we have to talk about the cuts. Over the summer, we talked about the big four from Japan cutting 10% of the bike production, including the Goldwing, which we are still getting here in the States, but you might not be getting where you live. Uh, well, not only is the Goldwing and the Hayabusa still here in the USA, baby, America for 2023 at least, so is the GSX-R1000, at least according to Suzuki's USA website. So we appear to be getting a lot of those non-Euro compliant models still. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, if you live in California, you still don't get many of the bikes that aren't up to the highest emission standards. Uh, we do have the boost of the Goldwing and the GSX-R though. We don't have, uh, there's a couple of things and a couple of quads we don't have here, but yeah, I'm 
waiting for that shoe to fall as well. Uh, you do, however, you might not get all the motorcycles here, but you do get to lane share and ride all year round. So there is that. Uh, and if you can ride in 57 degree weather, you're, you're good. Cause that's what it is in the studio right now. Uh, now on to the new motors. So Suzuki chopping bikes globally, not chopping them here. And if the SV650, it's still on their website too. So it's still here, at least in the States. A lot of people were crying about the, the parallel twin getting rid of the, um, you know what the the v-strom 650 and it's like okay they still have it i guess i'm an idiot um i don't know if i mentioned this before we should i should have rolled that into uh harley davidson i read is nixon the sportster did i mention that on one of the other shows um in case i didn't let me let me take a pause here with the suzuki's and say that people were crying about this new parallel twin replacing the v the v-twin in the 650 and uh it's still around, just like people were crying about the Sportster. And then, the, what do you know? They kept the Sportster, the air-cooled Sportster, for two more years after the Sportster S debuted. And then now the Nightster 975, water-cooled stuff. Well, I heard, I read somewhere that Harley-Davidson is doing uh, to this air-cooled Sportster what everyone was crying about Suzuki doing to the SV650. It's gone. And or it's planned to be gone in 23. We'll see. They won't probably announce 23 bikes for another month or two now. So uh, probably January or early February, we'll see what Harley Davidson has up their sleeves. However, it may still happen. The uh, the SV650 may still leave, but they already have the motor. It's already compliant with whatever r- rules until it's not compliant. So they uh, why would they ditch it, right? And this new one is an 800, not a 650. There's a bunch of tiered licensing, I'm sure, and power to weight, and it probably doesn't hit the same as the 650 V-Twin does. So there's probably, you know... They have a trillion engines, just like Honda in their lineup. So I'm sure it's this v, the you know V Strom 650 isn't going away anytime soon, uh, at least for like a little bit. And as I say this, watch 2023, <laughs> like we're axing it. So I'm just saying, uh, we'll talk about we'll talk about that when it happens. In the meantime, the new motors, uh, these parallel twins, and it's really one parallel twin. Uh, yeah. Groundbreaking. So many people, including Yami, he can, who cannot be named, piled their disappointment on Suzuki's shoulders, chiding the brand for not doing enough with a new motor opportunity, and yelling P Strom and P Twin from the top of everybody. I can't, if I had a nickel for every time someone said P Strom, even the guys on Revzilla, uh, uh, high side, low side said peace drama. Come on guy. I can't, I can't lie. I thought it in my head a couple times, but I didn't say it. Um, yeah, er- everybody's giving them shit for this parallel twin saying, Oh, they had all this opportunity. Well, some people were saying they had all this opportunity. Other people, sensible people like Jake, the garden snake, uh, you know, defending the parallel twin and me for, for one, listen, my opinion is, hey, no one bagged on Honda when the Africa Twin debuted with its 999cc parallel twin banging away. And as a matter of fact, the V4-powered uh, VFR1200X debuted that same year, and that might as well have been a concept bike because it went away just as fast as one, uh, in the States at least. It lasted about, about that long. And everyone's been blubbering over the LC8 parallel twin and the KTM uh, 790 and 890 Dukes and the uh, 890 Enduro, the RC8C. <clears throat> I think that's a new, new one for uh, KTM, who's 
you know, had, had uh, L twins before. Um, now they got a parallel twin and also triumph BMW, Kawasaki, Royal Enfield, all these people known for their amazing P twins, you know, and, and, uh, the parallel motors. And now people are going to grieve Suzuki for joining instead of just doing a bold new graphic. I can't believe it. BMW are boxer twins. I'm talking about the F models, you incompetent asshole, you little shit. Thank you, Tobor, for not blowing up my eardrums with that explosion that time. Welcome, buddy. All right, thank you. Uh, anyways, yeah, I'm talking about the uh, the F models when I say when I say those. Uh, are we good? Yeah. So, um, anyways, getting back to the parallel twins, why not Suzuki? Why did you know what do they have to gain by spending the next few years missing out on one of the most popular motors in the industry? Like literally everything from the Ninja Six Fifty you know, on up to the Rebel uh, 1100T has a freaking parallel twin in it. So why does Suzuki have to miss out? Uh, the new <clears throat> GSX-8S, uh, you know, basically outfitted with this uh, new engine, this new parallel twin, is basically outfitted with the same plethora of, of electronics that every Suzuki comes with these days. It appears to use the similar front bodywork as the GSX-S1000, which was almost the inner headlamp bracket for the 2020 katana <clears throat> if you ever had the took off that big uh 80s looking katana fairing and look underneath at the headlamp bracket and housing it almost looked like the stock gsxs 1000 <laughs> headlamp it's like hey we just took off the crazy katana fairing and painted it blue so the new v-strom 800 uh, has a parallel twin, the 1050. They include DE trims now, which I looked, I, it appears to be largely the same except for the electronics. The electronics, uh, my notes say, hey, if you can't tell the difference between last year's V-Strom uh, and the enhancements for 23, maybe that's the issue that sh Suzuki should be criticized for. Uh, instead of bold new graphics, bold new electronics that really you can't feel because there's not a whole lot of difference spec-wise, but excluding the obviously different V-Strom 800DE uh, motor, the 1050 gets some electronic upgrades, a bigger schmunchitz, and a nicer SIRS, and that's about it. So that is, if you do click on the SIRS, which is a Suzuki Intelligent Ride System tab on their website, oh my, the SIRS has been uh, greatly, greatly increased in your favor, good sir or madam. There is a lot a lot of uh, stuff in there. So that's, uh, yeah, they, they really did uh, do a lot with the the electronics packages and, and all the rider aids. Um, everything from, you know, they had before with the, the hill incline and decline and hill brake hold and linked ABS and all that fun stuff. If you go on the V-Strom now, it's got all the great ride modes and off-road modes and a gravel mode to retard the timing to make it, like, not slip as much. You can... Uh, take ABS off the back brakes. So you can lock it up around corners and do some sweet stuff that you see them do in the magazines and on TV, but that not you're not that good with yet. So yeah, you can try it out. Anyways, uh, more boring crap from Eichmann. Electric bikes galore, right? Of course, as the world goes electric, so does the industry. And that leaves a lot of petrol heads in the dust and falling out of love with the industry uh, in general. No one wants to see 
the latest vibrator when they're thinking about blowing a few corners at the tail of the dragon or grabbing a few beers after eating three and a half pounds of bugs riding through the Sturgis Rally. The reason I say you eat bugs because you don't wear a helmet at Sturgis and the bugs are the size of helicopters up there, so you eat a lot of them. Uh, anyway, but for younger people, tree huggers and Elon Musk worshippers, there was a lot to see at Eichma. And if you like bicycles, there was a lot there too. And Eichma actually did start like 3,000 years ago and it was a bicycle show way back in the day. So uh, they've always had bicycles there, but now they're e-bikes. Um, I couldn't tell you one of the more interesting models because the name was so hard to fucking read on the bottom, the scooter's bodywork. Hey, designers, FYI, the brand name or the emblem, that is like the most important thing that should be seen on the vehicle. It should probably be visible from fucking space so that the Google Earth satellites pick it up for Pete's sake. But anyway... The mo- that one looked cool, but I couldn't tell you what it was. And I don't even remember the name. I just remember it was hard to read because it was the name was etched on like a clear piece that stuck over the bo- of the frame. It was so stupid. Uh, anyways, the most ap- amazing part of this scooter was that the steering is done by counter shifting a weight inside the body rather than the lean a- angle of the head, uh, the steering head initiating counter steer. Wow. Can you say wow with me? It uses a counterweight inside. Hey, it's the solution to the problem that no one was looking for, just like electric scooters. P.S. Junkie may also be looking for an electric scooter or moped. Uh, so, yeah, it was the, yay, you got some counterweight steering. I've actually seen a lot of these scooters uh, in the past, and actually I think Honda might have had, was it Honda? Yeah, I think Honda might have had something where the steering was done with the counterweight in the back end and the bike was self-balancing. I've always seen those as self-balancing mechanisms, not steering mechanisms. So I don't know if the reviewer knew what they were talking about. Uh, I think what it is is more of a, instead of using servos like that Honda concept did a few years ago where the Honda bike could follow you and it steered itself using servos to keep uh, balance, like a good trials rider, this thing uses counterweights. And so I think that's maybe what it was. I don't think it steers. I think it just self-rights uh, with a counterweight and doesn't tip over. It doesn't need a uh, side stand or center stand because it's got the stupid counterweight. Then once your battery dies in the middle of the night or catches on fire, then you'll find out on its side. Anyway, uh, so shifting on to zero, uh, everyone's favorite electric motorcycle, there was a new one, a new ADV bike. Of course, we probably been hearing about that for the last few months on every time we open the internet and our browser sees where we are and sees we're looking at motorcycle stuff and it pops up the new zero ADV bike. So there was a lot there and lots of the old gang. And it turns out that police in Europe and Indonesia have taken hundreds of zero, I believe DSRs and some of these new ADV bikes as fleet machines. So good news for zero. Uh, good go. USA company exporting bikes to places like Indonesia and Europe. So good on us. Um, Yadia, Y-A-D-E-A, Yadia. It's another company that was lauded as like a super hot ticket to watch with potential for global global export. Uh, They make electric motorcycle scooters, e-bicycles, and a bunch of other vehicles that can't be defined like shoes with wheels on them that aren't roller skates and electric flip-flops and all this whatever. I don't know if they actually make that stuff. They sell 16 million units uh, in Europe and Asia. 
And that's not really a small number. That's not a huge number, but 16 million, that's quite a bit. Uh, I mean, Harley-Davidson sells like 180,000, and we think of them as this massive brand. Ducati sells like 27, and when we think of them as this pretty huge brand. They sell 16 million vehicles in Europe and Asia alone. So that's no small number to get on a creaky, leaky, rat-infested land barge uh, and ship around Europe. So maybe they are making an effort, and they will have uh, stuff coming over on leaky rat mosquito and COVID infested shipping containers to the U S someday. We'll see. Uh, Moto Perea, another name that popped up. They even got the little Greyhound on there. I don't know if that means Greyhound in Italian, but I do remember this bike. I, ha- I used to have a Perea like 125 in my garage. So Moto Perea, just like Bull Taco, if you know who Bull Taco is, uh, they're old motorcycle brands. They're now making electric bicycles. And Bull Taco, shit, two or two years ago, I think I opened up a uh uh by electric bike action magazine or something like that e-bike action magazine and there was a bull taco in there and it said that the <laughs> the miles per hour rating was like 210 i was like this has to be a typo it's 21 probably but it said 210 and it gave a crazy um power rating and it looked like a little motorcycle so i was like well i'll just let them have their typo but moto Perea is now getting into the get into it and if you ever seen Perea's like a vintage bike show they're the coolest they look like old Ducati Diana's which is my favorite Ducati's probably uh, and I love Bull Tacos I love old Perea's so now you can go look at a really crappy modern looking e-bike that features that name thank you for ruining heritage so uh, if you count Benelli and Ducati also you have a bunch of old European brands getting together to talk about fashion, coffee, or World Cup stats and whatever Euro plebeians talk about because Benelli and Ducati had bicycles there too. So, hey, Yamaha, come come join the fun. I know you have an e-bike because I rode it before. Uh, Kimco. Let's talk about Kimco, another massive manufacturer. They, I mean, Kimco's been here in the States, not largely, but they are huge. And... Um, Again, they're one of those brands that are is huge in Germany, just like David Hasselhoff. Not so big in the States, but elsewhere, gigantic. So they also showed some pretty crazy electric motorcycles. Now, I know Kimco for their scooters and smaller uh, vehicles, but they did show some pretty sick motorcycles. They have partnered with Harley-Davidson, or more specifically, Livewire brand. And the concepts, these I guess these concept bikes got shown at the last ICMA, or like a, uh, maybe even longer than that. Uh, and they had significant changes. I'd never seen these before. I've only known Kimco for scooters. These these e-bikes look pretty sick. And they didn't look too funky and crazy like the cakes. I hate the cakes. They just look like somebody took a bunch of Legos and made a motorbike out of them. These things almost look like the Bramo Impulse did when it first came out, like enough to be a real motorcycle that it doesn't have to look like an electric weirdo, right? So these things were still kind of crazy with their body shell, but the body shell was at least in the shape of a pretty sick, like sporty bike. They looked like three quarter size though. It's hard to tell uh, with those tiny, tiny models standing next to them, how big they actually are. But who cares? They looked cool. And the fact that they're partnering with Livewire means that they actually might uh, not just be concepts and vaporware now. That's my biggest complaint about the electric market is vaporware. Um, so yeah, they might even make it to market someday, maybe even make it to the States. Who knows? Uh, other Kimco news, Kimco and MV Agusta teamed up to make some really cute little e-scooters. Um, yeah, they were super cute, really Italian looking. That's probably where the MV bit 
came in and I believe they had, well, they said MV on the scooter. So maybe Kimco helped with the design and the running gear and MV licensed it just, you know, like everybody has been doing since the seventies. Finally, like the Gogoro, if you've ever heard of Gogoro, uh, Kimco has a swappable battery platform called Ionix or something like that. I think that's what it's called. Ionix. Um, so yeah, they are they are looking at some of these scooters that they debuted or that they were showing used one or potentially two batteries depending on the range you wanted to get. So not only are they swappable and you can drive down to your local uh, you know, battery kiosk out in front of the uh I don't know where they put them. I was going to say 7-Eleven, but I don't think they have 7-Elevens in in uh, Korea and other countries where these things are made. Um but you, you drive down to your local battery kiosk whether or not it's at like the bus stop or out in front of a convenience store or mall wherever pop your battery out, pop a new one right in straight from the rack. And if you have a bigger scooter, boom, you pop two in. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of cool that you can pop, uh, they have two compartments depending on how much range you want to get. So I thought that was pretty, pretty sick. Uh, and also in the MV, since we talked about Kimco and MV in adjacent MV Augusta news, uh, KTM slash Husqvarna parent company, Perrier, 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 P- Pyrer? I'm going to say Pyrer. Uh, Pyrer Mobility. <laughs> I know that's totally wrong. It's probably Puree. Uh, but it looks like Pyrer. Um, they bought this company, which who shall not be named, bought 25.1 shares of MV Augusta and KTM and will take over distribution of MV in the USA. If you don't know, if you only have a quarter of a share, if, if four people get together and they each take a quarter... Guess who gets to make all the decisions? The person with 25.1%. Because that means all the rest of you are really splitting 24.333 with the line over it, right? Something like that. My math's terrible. But anyways, so that's cool. They might be... uh, might be KTM taking over distribution of uh, MV in the USA. Might be seeing them in more dealerships. So that's cool for MV. And if MV brings some of these scooters and partners with Kimco, we might see some pretty cool electric bikes. All of this partnering and like uh, co-oping is might lead to some new new stuff. So, all right. Enough boring crap. I'm over ICMA. There was probably a thousand things that you saw ICMA and that you really wanted to uh, hear about, and I'm just not going to do it. ICMA, schmeichma. Let all the other people talk about the stupid things. I think we already talked about most of the most of the stuff that popped up before. I hope I mentioned the Honda CL500 and all that fun stuff on a previous show. They're pretty trick, but if you open up the internet, you've seen it 8,000 times already. So... Whatever. If you do want to see something entertaining that's electric bike related, go check out Bikes and Beards. There's a video called I Bought the Cheapest Used Electric Bike. I'm going to tell you the name of the video because I don't know how long ago it came out and I don't know like the URL. So just go look. I Bought the Cheapest Used Electric Bike. (laughs) Sorry, I had to edit that out. I had a flying sloth go into my mouth. That was weird. We don't see those in Southern California that much. Anyways, they take a uh, zero DSR. They buy one for pretty cheap, like seven grand. Um, I think it only had 15,000 miles on it. You go watch the video and you tell me the details. But yeah, they take a, a zero DSR for true torture test and research. And it's pretty cool what they found out. If you've, if you've always wanted to see somebody not just ride around and say how awesome electric bikes are, go watch that video. It'll uh, fill you in on some cool stuff. All right. Before I die here, another sloth just flew in my mouth. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
and uh, party hardy, baby. We'll see you in, in about two and two, as Chuck Woolery used to say. Whatever happened to Chuck Woolery? Oh, the robots got him. time in the garage but even more time in the rain and mud in 95 i helped tow your moving trailer and in 09 it was sparks from me your chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire spark a change not a wildfire visit smokybear.com brought to you by the u.s forest service your state forester and the ad council only you can prevent wildfires Remember the last time your family visited the forest? It's a place of wonder and imagination for the whole family, where stories come to life. And it's closer than you think. Ready to plan your next visit? Make the forest part of your story today at a local park near you. Or find one at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hey, everybody. Our friends Nancy and Mark, the creators of Mimi and Moto, they want you to join their mission to get more children excited about motorcycles. Head on over to MimiAndMoto.com where you can purchase the couple's motorcycle books, The Adventures of Mimi and Moto, and Mimi and Moto Ride the Alphabet. Along with t-shirts, onesies, ornaments, and plushies, you could make this Christmas epic for that little rider in your life. And stay tuned... Because you know what? In 2023, they're going to have a new chapter book called Mimi and Moto's Magical Meteors First Gear. Don't miss out. The holidays are coming to a close. It's almost time for shipping and everything else to get out of hand. So before you lose control, crash that motorcycle into a monkey of your own, go ahead over to MimiAndMoto.com. You're not going to regret it. Trust me. I'll make you regret it. <laughs> Listen to me. You son of a bitch. Oof, Tobar, I had to turn the heater back on. It's freezing in here. It's down to 58. It's up from 57 to 58. Now it's freezing. Oh, boy. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Creative Writing. Easy for you to say. Easy for me to listen to you say it, too. I wish you'd come on the show and talk so I don't have to. It'd be a great show if you did. Uh, Hey, listen, starting February 1st, 2023, Utah here in the United States. It looks a little bit like the... uh, Outback of Australia, I think. Utah is requiring off-highway vehicle riders to take a mandatory off-road course. The intent is to provide rider and environmental safety. It is not a money grab by politicians or by state legislation looking to score an easy win. 
you know, the politicians, it's easy for them to say, hey, look, we we uh, legislated some public land use. Yahoo for us, right? But we actually might talk about this. I forgot to write this in my notes, but this came up uh, in some research uh, when I was reading AMA Magazine. So this, uh, this plan by Utah, it was actually written by a prominent Utah off-highway vehicle advocate hoping to stop any land use prohibitions before they even happen. So that's the whole reason for this whole thing. The course is online and it takes about 30 minutes and it's 100% free. So if you had any doubts in your mind that they're trying to get your money to make you do this and that for, you know, get their get their dollar, get their cheddar, they are not. This was made by off-road people for off-road people so that the off-road does not get closed down for being a crappy user. So let's talk about that. Uh, sustainability was actually going to be one of the things I want to talk about on this episode. I didn't write any notes for it. So this is a perfect example uh, right here. Um, it, it basically the, uh, it aims to educate the masses of people who come to Moab and other public lands in Utah uh, as the Martian state gets more and more and more popular with the OHV users. Moab is awesome. And, uh, I've seen tons of not just Moab, but you know, there's, there's all sorts of, of beautiful and recreatable landscape in, uh, Utah. So basically tons and tons of people have been going out there, uh, ADV, you know, as we talk about side by side, side by side sales going up, uh, up the chimney and out the roof and all over, all over the place. The money shot is basically in the side by side quads right now, um, they are just, they're multiplying and going over there, right? Uh, in a quote uh, from advpulse.com, uh, quote, the desert rangeland looks hard and tough, but it's actually one of the most delicate environments on the planet, end quote. So not only does this course aim to protect and advocate for responsible trail use and protection of the environment, it also lets new users know things you just wouldn't know, like what size vehicles are allowed on which trails, it shows people how to responsibly navigate through gates because guess what? Some of those gated areas might have livestock on them uh, and or be gated for property reasons and you're allowed to recreate there, but you have to close the gates to keep you know livestock from wandering or uh, other, you know, whatever, wherever there's gates, you're allowed to pass through them. You just got to close them, right? It even covers interacting with the locals because believe it or not, a lot of OHV troubles are not on the trails. It sounds like the flood of people into Moab is having a negative effect on the locals. Great for businesses, great for you know restaurants and things like that. However, uh, lots more traffic, lots more trash, and lots more people reckon you know just not responsibly using things. And then when you're uh, you know you go out there and you see all these off-road marks all over some pristine desert land. You're like, you weren't supposed to be here and now you've ruined it, right? It takes years and years. Uh, I didn't put this quote in my notes, but one of the notes did say that if you just take o- uh, overtake a slower vehicle out off of a trail and you drive out into the, uh, you know, into the wilds, just, just doing that, your tire marks may take years. It puts a, spar- a scar on the quote bio crust, it called it. And may take years for nature to come and cover that back up. You know, like, if you don't believe me, there's dinosaur tracks from millions of years ago out there. So your tire mark may stay there for hundreds of years. The uh, It's it's possible. Um, so, yeah, they don't want that to happen. They don't want 
the off-roading to get closed because of all these idiots out there. So whether or not you live in the state or not, all visitors uh, have to take this course. Uh, and it's designed to help maintain the peace, and it reminds off-roaders to treat the area like it's theirs, whether it's the trails or the town. You know, don't be unruly. Don't be idiotic. If, if you like recreating here as much as you do, don't, you know, treat it like you do. So uh, don't treat it like you would treat... Uh, you know, a rental car. <laughs> I don't know. The good news is that it's a one-time test. You don't have to maintain or renew it. And along with uh, all of the other stuff that we mentioned, it also has survival and stability, uh, sustainability tips and videos. Stuff like, hey, bring, you know, three gallons of water per person per day. You know, stuff like that. Things that you might not think about when you get out there in, in the desert and you start to recreate and you get lost or things happen really fastly and they get out of your control. Uh, you could be in trouble. So it's, I mean, it's got tips on all of that stuff too. Not just, hey, don't do this and don't do that. You know, and it's not, not wagging your finger. It sounds like a really, really good, robust 30 minutes of your life. And I think, I think it's a good idea. It shows that you at least spent 30 minutes investing some time into one of your passions. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's pretty good. <clears throat> Excuse me. The spider went in my mouth. That was so weird. Speaking of Moab... What would an off-road segment be without mentioning KTM? If you go out to Moab and don't see a KTM, you're in the wrong state. Uh, yes, KTM, the answer to every off-roader's dream of looking like a neon citrus fruit ripping through the desert faster than a tear in Aunt Peggy's pantyhose. Uh, there are a few KTM news bits to drop. Um, the first one I'm going to announce is the Super Motocross Super Motocross World Championship, which might sound weird. Do you mean Supercross or Motocross? Well, I might mean both. It all began this summer when Feld Entertainment announced, uh, Feld Entertainment and I forget the person from the Motocross Industries, blah, 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 blah. They, uh, they announced the formation of a new American sport right here in LA at the Coliseum. It's not just the Bagger Racing League that gets to announce new stuff, fellas. American sport that we we're going to come to know and love is taking a new roots here in LA on July 8th, 1972, an event dubbed the Super Bowl of motocross or supercross as it would become to known was held at the Coliseum and it took motocross. It condensed it and brought it inside a little stadium. So hundreds of people could see it in one, one spot instead of having to stand on the out, out of doors in a beautiful track out in the wilderness. Who wants to go stand in the wilderness uh, when you can sit in a crowded stadium and watch bikes zip around? Anyway, Supercross has never been the same, and it's never uh, and it's been run on indoor tracks ever since, while motocross, on the flip side, has remained an outdoor sport. And uh, largely, Supercross is, a, from what I know, is an American sport, and Motocross is a global sport. Uh, 50 years ago, though, that happened. So I, I believe it was July 8th of 2022 they made this announcement. And I've read a lot about it here and there, but I never really took the time to investigate it. And tonight, I watched their whole press release video, which was about an hour long of them talking about all the shamoigles and boigles. So listen, 50 years in the making, the announcement of the Super Motocross Championship, World Championship Series, uh, the press event, it, it detailed the impetus, the whole reason for starting this. I guess I should have just said impetus and let you look up what that means. Um, it detailed 
the rules, well, a lot of the rules, uh, the, the $10 million purse that will be won at the end of 31 rounds of world-class racing. Uh, and I'll tell you how it breaks down here. So $10 million, that appears to be the culmination of a Supercross winnings, Motocross winnings, and then a $5.5 million playoff prize at the Super Motocross World Championship. So here's how it's going to happen. All 31 races are actually are going to be broadcast on Peacock, by the way, with uh, select races being on NBC and USA Networks. So they, uh, Motocross is coming, Supercross has been with NBC for a little bit, and now Motocross is coming back to television. All 31 races, that's what you get when you partner together. So what happened was Supercross and Motocross came together. They discussed that they are going to run these uh, they have their own series. You know, they all, they all run their own series. A lot of the riders don't cross over because the bike setup's different, the discipline's a little different. But at the end of the year, you know, Supercross is done, and then Motocross is done, and that's it. And according to the woman who is the spokeswoman for their, like Motocross Enterprises or whatever, she said, and I can't remember any of their names, by the way, so I apologize. But she said, hey, we came together and we said, we need a playoff. These two sports exist and it's kind of like, you know, uh, having two, two different leagues, uh, in, in the same sport. We, we both do our own thing after the season. We both end. there's nothing. We sit around for four, three or four months doing nothing, waiting for the next season to start. We need a playoff. So what's going to happen is supercross season is going to run and motocross season is going to run. And of course you, as you know, sometimes they, uh, they're concurrent. They have their own, their own uh, series um, and their own races and their own their own style of tracks. Well, that's all good and great. They're all going to be televised now on Peacock, and Peacock came in with the uh, as a third party. They got um, you know the television coverage, which is awesome. That boosts it and boosts it for motocross because I hate having to watch motocross like on YouTube and stuff. Uh, so that's really cool. They also got a lot of the OEMs involved. They got the riders involved. They took all the stakeholders and got them involved. They didn't just say, "Hey, let's try this publicity stunt." They got everybody and was like, "Hey, how would you like a playoff between the two groups at the end of the year?" And they're going to do it. So all I know and all they announced uh, in the video, at least, that which happened in July, maybe there's been some that have happened since that, that detailed a little more. But at the uh, the end of the year, the last rate, they're going to they're going to do the races and each um, each each group uh, like the Supercross winners, the top 20 riders from uh, the disciplines are going to be automatically seated into the Super Motocross Championship and automatically qualify. And then after that, there is going to be uh, 20 more riders that could uh, get in through winning. I forget exactly how the how the second bracket. Uh, got in, but they they come in as well. So at the end, you have this huge, large group of riders, and some of them qualified just by winning the uh, their outright championship, um, you know, seasons. And it's four fifty and two fifty. So I think they're taking ten from each uh, discipline. And uh, yeah, those guys are going to get in there and just automatically win and be be entered. And then the other ones, you can make it up. So so biggest thing about that is that you can start out with a bad season, you can have an injury, you can still come back and race enough races to qualify or qualify by doing, uh, I wish I'd written it down, so just listen to it. Uh, I forget how the second tier qualifies, but you don't just have to take the championship, you know, be in the top five of your championship for 450 and top five for 250. Hey, there's our 10 from Supercross, the same thing from Motocross, boom, there's our 20 people, right? You can still get in 
despite the fact that you may not have uh, qualified very high through the uh, initial process. So it's great news for people who have injury or who uh, have a couple bad races or whatever may happen. They're not out. They're not down and out. There's still a chance for uh, another 20 people, I believe, to come in. Uh, And then at the end of the season, usually it's Supercross and then Motocross, and at the end of the season, they come down to three final races, and two of them were two... TBA. They didn't announce it. Like I said, this was back in July. Maybe they announced it now. But the last showdown is going to be here. The grand finale is going to be here in LA at the Coliseum where it all started 50 years ago. Supercross, you know, motocross was really big in the 70s. And yeah, sure enough, 72, they tried a Super Bowl of motocross and they're going to bring it back. So they're excited. They, they've announced that it, there was a five-year plan with the NBC or with Peacock. So I imagine that this is scheduled out for five years. We'll see. Uh, and that would be kind of cool if it was. All the racers, you know, all six of them that they had on stage said they were pumped. I don't know if they had to because as a racer, you're pressured to say that sort of stuff. But they were talking about how, you know, the strategy could work out that I could miss a race. I could get injured. I could not, you know, be on the podium in the first uh, first race and still make it at the end. Because usually they were saying if you don't, if you get injured in the first race of the year, your season's done, right? So this gives you a chance to come back. Um, also, if you win in 250 and or 450, there are some people that race both. Uh, you could potentially still qualify in one if you lost in the other. So, you you know, they're doubling down on that as well. So really, really interesting, and I'm kind of excited about it. I mean, this is uh, – it's sort of like bagger racing league, you know, like not – that's the type of racing. This is this is actually like this is I'm I'm excited about it because it's like the World Cup, which you know was just finishing. And uh, I'm sorry if you uh, your team lost, but this is like the World Cup. You're getting the best of both. You're bringing them together. And the final track they did show a preview of it here at the Coliseum. It's a lot super crossy to me. Like it has a lot of super tight supercross sections, and that's what supercross is all about. Big high jump so that you go way in the air but super compressed because you're you're uh, squeezed for space inside the stadium and it's more like a straight red bull straight rhythm where it's just bang 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 obstacle bang bang bang, bang obstacle where motocross is a little bit more free-flowing natural tracks sure you do have a lot of whoops and elements and things like that and you have big jumps too but you have a lot more uh, straightaways and sand and more natural terrain to go over. It's not like a, a condensed, fabricated, you know, track just for spectators. So the track that they showed at the Coliseum had long downhills with some kind of hilly, hilly, you know, mounds and not so much skyrocketing like Supercross style jumps or like you know big triples. So it's pretty cool. I like the track layout. And then the two other ones that were determined uh, to be determined before that uh, didn't have locations yet, but they said they've never raced supercross or motocross in them. And so they were pretty excited about, uh, holding them there and they were going to be unique tracks. Every track is going to be different at the end. So I think it's a cool idea, a really cool idea. And they'll give give people a reason to tune in at the end of the year. Even if you miss all season, I tend to not make every single race for any sort of discipline that I'm watching. I get busy and you know, if there was some crazy massive Super Bowl type thing at the end, you don't need to know who won at all. You just need to know who wins the end one, right? So it's kind of cool. Um, so that is, uh, that's that. 
Um, the whole reason I brought up, I was talking about KTM. The whole reason I brought this up is because I had to give you this backstory on the super motocross to talk about KTM. KTM, uh, the extended preface for this, uh, KTM story was that they have chosen their five man team. Yes, I said five men, it's all men. So, ladies, get cracking. I don't know if there's any women, uh, motocross or supercross riders out there, but if there is, get your butts, get your booty in gear. There's $10 million at stake. Uh, so anyway, it's going to be Cooper Webb, Marvin Muskin, and Aaron Plessinger are going to, or Plessinger is going to ride the, uh, 2023 450 SX, uh, F factory editions. Uh, which are going to be the three uh, 450 class guys, and then Maximus Volholland, or I'm sorry, Voland, and uh, Tom Viali, I believe is his name. They're going to be on the uh, 250 SXF uh, in the 250 class. So that's the KTM team. Uh, also more KTM news. I promise you KTM news. KTM also announced that little tangerine dream with the 2023 RC8C. You know what the RC8C is, right? Uh, being sold in a limited quantity of 200. So you better get your ass in gear and get your ass in the seat if you want to get one. It's inspired by the former Moto2 machine and taking winglet-inspired design cues from their RC16 MotoGP bike. The 2023 RC8C will drop at 34,000 uh, pounds and 999 Hey pennies, and the first 30 buyers will get the chance to take it around a fancy track with all the fancy factory guys doing all the fancy factory things. So, <clears throat> excuse me, the first 30 people to buy uh, these 200, and um, yeah, Tangerine Dream, baby, you get you get your own like little race bike there, the RC8C. I believe it's a, uh, I forget exactly how many CCs that thing was, but uh, yeah, about 135 horsepower, something like that. Uh, also KTM also let me know something important that Toby price is getting ready and prepped for the Dakar rally. That's less than a month away. If you heard at the top of the show, uh, if you don't know, Toby Tri price is Toby Trice. I have no idea. He's some jerkwad that lives down the street. Toby price is an Australian superhero. He came back from uh, breaking a spine at, I think I was at a young age to winning the Dakar, several beauty contests, and he once forced Aussie Man to go speechless during a comedic tirade. So, tells you a lot about the man. You know how he fixed his back, uh, how he fixed up his spine? Duct tape. It's an old Australian joke, but uh, it's also a great Australian repair tip. So, anyway, yeah, Toby Price, Iron Man's coming back. Also, every day, I keep getting... More press releases from KTM. I swear they have more news than any manufacturer that sells 50 times the volume of vehicle. So it must be tough uh, when you got that much to say about yourself um, being the ginger of the motorcycle world. Or I don't know, would Honda be the ginger? Their color is red. KTM is orange, though. I, 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 I give up. Anyways, but while we're talking about KTM and Honda being the gingers, did anyone catch Ken Roxon on an electric Honda over Thanksgiving holiday here in the States? I don't know if you if it's any other holiday anywhere else or even if uh, uh, you even saw it. I think that they put it out at that time to kind of like hide it, obfuscate uh, the facts. But I saw a brief story on the gram that showed... Well, it said it was Ken Roxon at a small backyard. It was on his Instagram. He was at a small backyard-looking track in the backwoods somewhere in Spain, I think it said. 
who knows, you can geotag anywhere you want. So who knows if it was actually Spain. Uh, but it didn't look like anywhere in the States that I'm familiar with. Um, the audio was a little bit out of sync with the video, which was kind of choppy, which made led me to believe that it was dubbed and fake. But then I saw it, or literally I didn't see it. Uh, the engine and exhaust, they just didn't exist. They were missing. And instead, there appeared to be a huge battery and an electric motor. So obviously I couldn't tell if it was Roxon because the rider was in the air half the time and full moto gear. And I'm not even sure it was a Honda for sure, but the, co- the color was kind of that wine color that Honda has on their VFR 1200 and gold wings. It wasn't the uh, super bright CRF red, but at least we know it was a Honda color. But it was still pretty cool watching that thing jump around. And it wasn't fake either. I mean, it wasn't those stupid videos where like, like somebody's showing a video game. It was real. I just don't know if it was Ken Roxon and uh, if it was for sure a Honda. Uh, let's move on to something more exciting, shall we? Get off, get off this uh, speculative stuff. Let's move on to the issues surrounding motorcycles to wrap up the show. The AMA magazine has had a few articles and counting on Teslas and autopilot, self-driving vehicles, so on and so forth. There's almost an article every single month, uh, it feels like, uh, on this issue specifically. And the, the magazine talks about all the deaths of motorcyclists. I said deaths, not desks. If you're riding a desk, you're a... You know, get out and ride a motorcycle once in a while. Feels great. So they talk about all these the the death of um, some motorcyclists. I don't know if they talk about death of motorcyclists every single time, but there has been a lot of uh, research and and words put into this put into this by the uh, AMA magazine. So they talk about um, these faults with self driving technology, the fact that it's not regulated, the fact that it's not even developed yet. They talk about how it has killed motorcyclists and others at the hands of Tesla, or rather no hands because the driver wasn't holding on to the steering wheel. Um, And I'm planning on writing an an, an op-ed piece. Um, It's probably after the holidays. Because I think that the AMA should focus more on rider awareness and lane filtering, given that one or two Teslas plowing in a motorcyclist is the wrong target to me. Uh, That feels like they're... uh, you know, taking aim at the weakest, oldest elk in the herd, right? If you want to know who kills thousands of motorcyclists every year, it's motorcyclists. We're we're the biggest danger to ourselves. How many Teslas can you blame for all the crashes on the tail of the dragon or out here in Southern California when people go off cliffs or even lane splitting and hit cars? Like the cars aren't lane splitting, we are. Um, and out of the thousands of deaths, or even, even if they're not fatal, the non-fatal collisions, how many are humans not paying attention, whether it be the cyclist or it be uh, it's a car those are all not teslas right so i think you're focusing on the two and you're not focusing on the roughly how many people die every year in car crashes Thirty-eight thousand. so you're not focusing on the uh 37,998 right you're focusing on the two and making a big deal about it you need to focus on other things um and i, I think i'm gonna write it after christmas because i don't want to bum people out right when the network's going to be playing some stupid Adam Sandler holiday movie, you won't be able to take it because that's already got you depressed enough. So I'm not going to write it till after the holidays. But I do think it's an issue that needs to be addressed. Motorcyclists need to be more safe. Motorcyclists need to have more safe spaces to ride. And we need cars out there uh, since it's not going to go backwards. I don't think they're going to outlaw self-driving technology or 
uh, outlaw any of the driver aids that are semi uh, helpful right now and take them away. I think they're going to want them to be mandatory at some point. Um, like airbags and seatbelts weren't mandatory at some point, and then they be, they became mandatory. And so did ABS. All these things eventually become mandatory, right? So I don't think they're going to go backwards. We might as well get them out there and tested and adapt to motorcyclists while we can instead of pushing back on it as far hard as we can, as long as we can. And then they, they just, what? We're pushing it off to our uh, kids, you know, 20 years from now when they still suck because we didn't let them develop the technology. Now we're still killing people in 20 years, right? So long story short, I'll, I'll write that uh, sometime. But interestingly enough, in this uh, recent, I think late, I think it's the latest uh, December issue of the AMA magazine, they replaced that normal story about self-driving cars for once with an article on the increase in lane filtering uh, which I was excited about. Yay! It's nice to see that the country is at least considering filtering for motorcycle safety. And not every state needs to have junkie flying by at 90 miles an hour between stopped cars on one wheel with his pants down and a doobie in the other hand, right? Filtering is just as good. Filtering is fine. You don't need to have lanes sharing or splitting. Um just being safe, just being between cars is safer. And they can not, you know, the AMA is not going to advocate for m motorcycle helmet safety because it's a slippery slope, they say, and it's going to lead them to regulate us to have everything, which I kind of agree with. You know, eventually they'll do what they do in France and tell you you have to wear a certain brand of gloves and blah, 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 blah. And it could be slippery. I don't see it going there, but you know what? Yeah. Screw the helmet thing. Lane filtering. You hopefully don't even need a helmet if you're between cars. They can smash into each other and you can be safe. Who knows? But uh, on that note, I did want to mention yay for lane filtering to come up and yay for that sort of legislation to come up. And on, on uh, to close out the show, here's a nice heartwarming entry that I found on Reddit. All usernames have been redacted for their privacy, but it's, con it's a concerning filtering. So here's a... Uh, Here's a post. The first time filtering. I visited California for the first time ever, and my fiance and I rented e-scooters to see San Diego. Good for you, San Diego, America's finest city. <clears throat> At one point, I couldn't see her in my mirror because I filtered through all the traffic and was waiting at the light. I ride at home and she doesn't. All I can say is that filtering felt extremely natural and I'm impressed by how well drivers here accommodate people on two wheels. Hopefully filtering becomes legal everywhere. What a life you guys have on the West Coast. So he must be from, uh, I don't know, no funistan. I don't know where he's from, but somewhere where they don't filter. I'm not going to tell you all the states that they talked about in the AMA magazine, but it's quite a few that are considering filtering and quite a few have legislated for it, which is nice. Uh, and so here's somebody else replying to this nice little chap. Uh, I got my license last week and hit some traffic on my second ride. I didn't start filtering immediately because it was a merging line and I still felt a bit nervous on my brand new bike until a guy in a van literally rolled down his window and said, bro, are you crazy? You're on a motorcycle. Just drive in between. The dude almost got mad at me that I wasn't filtering. It's like the inverse of the stories you read about on here. <laughs> and there's a lot on the Reddit, you know, subreddit motorcycles. A lot of people getting yelled at for doing, you know, 
anything. Road rage against bikes is real. So it's so nice to read these stories and read about how cars here, and not every car, but a lot of cars here in California expect you to filter, move over for you to filter and lane share, and actually encourage you to do so because dude you're in between like the like the van driver said bro you're on a motorcycle just drive in between it's the safest spot um and then it said to me i had that happen to me when i started riding quote bro have you got a death wish get to the front so there's someone else uh telling them to filter as well i thought that's pretty sick and 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 riders around here are drivers in california very accommodating if they're not jerkwads. There's there's always a Karen somewhere, but, uh, you know. And then this person says right here, I get a little upset when dudes are sitting on the freeway between vehicles. Like, do you want to get hit or something? <laughs> so it's just so nice to see motorcyclists supporting um, supporting other motorcyclists. And, and the actual article in the AMA magazine said, as more riders accept it. So that was my point. Motorcyclists' biggest danger is uh, ourselves, riding too fast, uh, not having the skills to pay the bills when it comes to hitting the turns and feeling the, the chills, you know, uh, not, um, you know, hitting a car, hauling ass and ramming. I, I can't tell you how many videos I've seen online of people doing stunts or just being idiots or driving too fast and then hitting the back of a car. And then, oh, it's the car's fault that you were doing, uh, you know, 110 and they were doing 70 and you rammed into the back of them because you couldn't stop. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, my thing is we're our own biggest danger. Here's so many cars telling people to get in between. Somebody says, here, I ride in a state that doesn't allow filtering. I do my best to stay clear of danger, but... So, sounds like they want to filter. And then here's somebody saying, hey, in Texas, people will rage if you lane split. Pretty aggro driving around here which yeah same and then somebody says yeah same here in new jersey uh yeah so <laughs> and then there's another one about terrible jersey uh roads we, we won't get into all that but yeah i just thought i'd uh i saw a couple about lane filtering on here and lane splitting and people doing it for the first time um on reddit just like how ecstatic they were that people here on the west coast uh move over for you and I've only had one or two experiences where people actually try to block you because they're like, hey, they're Karens and uh, or Kens. And sometimes it happens naturally because the street is so narrow you can't split. So that has happened to me before. But, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, that's it for this week's show. You have a great one. And we're going to have another show here before Christmas. Uh, r- reminder, Patreons, the gift-giving, Secret Santa Please get back. Bryvifer is the only one that's responded so far. So if you want to do a Secret Santa Patreon <clears throat> giveaway among the patrons, please get on it. Uh, email, um, go to the go to the Reddit page. Or I'm sorry, the Reddit page. Go to the Patreon page and uh, go in there and put your put your name. Just say you're interested or not. <clears throat> and then I'll probably tally them up. Um, pretty soon because Chris can be here and I don't want to infringe on anybody's plans so on that note uh, have a great one as always we are available on Reddit uh, Creative Writing is available on Apple Podcasts SoundCloud Stitcher Google Play TuneIn Spotify Overcast Pocket Cast some weird ones that I've just started seeing pop up and I can't even remember what they're called like Shadowcast you ever heard of that uh, Lollipop Lollidrop uh, there's 
Oh, we're not on OnlyFans. We are on some weird ones that I didn't even submit our feed to. So I, I don't know how it happened, but like Cloud Beam or something texted me or emailed the show. So we're all over. Wherever wherever you get your fine, fine fast food, diarrhea, and creative writing, we'll be there. Uh, also, leave us a rev- review or a rating on your favorite podcast app. A lot of people say in Apple Podcasts because it gets your ratings up real big on the internet. Guess what? I don't care. I just want you to like the show, get something useful out of it, have a good day, just listen to me blab and take up time while you're doing work, whatever it is, while you're driving, jerking on. Oh, God. Anyways, check out our blog, creative-writing.com. There's nothing new on there. It hasn't been for a little bit. I need to update that. Holidays are going to be crazy, so it probably won't happen to the first, but uh, we will get some new info up there. You can read my op-ed piece. I'll let you know when it comes out. You can contact the show. Email us at creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Creative Writing Podcast. Check us out on Reddit as creative underscore writing. I love Reddit. There's a lot of interaction there. Just please don't go to Reddit creative writing with no underscore between those two or you will get an X-rated surprise. And as always, uh, support our sponsors, support other other listeners, um, and support the show, patreon.com forward slash creative writing. And... Uh, try to make it fun on there we'll be we'll be doing um upcoming pretty soon with 2023 heading our way we will be updating the show art and we will be putting out some more stickers uh, so patrons beware for that and then yeah with the holidays coming up you never know who might get something from old junkie claws so if you're a patron uh check it out all right everyone have a great safe if you don't hear from me for the from the holidays if you're too busy you're out of town i hope everything's safe i hope you're riding i hope you're having a good time with the friends your nieces nephews aunts uncles uh in-laws adopted people uh someone that you just found on the street you're newly someone you hooked up with at the club last night uh someone you just stole their motorcycle that's horrible you're a grinch uh Whatever, whatever the case may be, I hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful time riding, and I hope you enjoy creative writing as much as the next person does. I sure don't. I hate this show. Such a piece of I know, that's why we're number one at the bottom. We're like, if the bottom, if, if the world was an inverted triangle, like the Louvre or whatever, we'd be number one. But we are at the bottom. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Oh, they know it too. Thank you.